Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Robert. It's been a really rough week in Louisville, though, and we've got to talk about that today. Yeah, absolutely. It has been. It's been a very weird week. Um, been a very weird week, very weird couple of days here in town. I think that that's the way that I would describe it as somebody who's not incredibly close to the events the shootings that happened here yesterday um of course for a lot of other people weird does not even begin to describe it it's been tragic it's been horrible it's been the worst week of their lives um yeah and and that's what we're going to talk about today um in the first part we're going to talk about this mass shooting that happened on tuesday i'm going to go through a lot of the details what everybody has said in reaction and kind of what went on from there um and then jasmine's going to follow up and talk a little bit about kind of what are the republican gubernatorial candidates up to that is kind of what we had planned on talking about today um before uh the shooting occurred um of course the the session is over and kind of the, the election season has kind of started uh the primary is now i think about a month away which is kind of crazy to think about but that is where we're at with this um, so uh, Jasmine's going to talk about that in the second part of the show. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into talking about this mass shooting that happened in Louisville. And of course, yeah, on Tuesday, Louisville experienced what has become all too common for communities across the United States, which is a mass casualty shooting. Uh, Connor Sturgeon, who is or was a 25-year-old who had been employed at the old National Bank, opened fire at the downtown branch of that bank, and he killed five people I guess he killed four people at the scene, uh, and another died later last night. Um, he also wounded eight others, many of whom remain in critical condition. Louisville Metro Police say that he live-streamed the killings. Um, Meta, which is the owner of Instagram, where I think the streaming occurred, said they took those down almost immediately, so hopefully not that many people saw that. And the shooter was later killed by LMPD. As we're speaking right now, Jasmine, um, LMPD is going through a blow-by-blow of the body cam uh, with the media, and I think they're actually live-streaming that um, for, for the public to kind of see and, and, and grasp on what's going on. Um, you know, that's a very quick turnaround, like one day to get uh, an mm-hmm. officer or, you know, an, an, a, of officers uh, killing a, a suspect in a, a shooting. Um, you know, it's good to know that that amount of speed with body cam footage is possible. I think that should be the standard, but, yeah, that's something that – happened today they they released that body body cam footage we don't have all the information about what they talked about there because it is literally being released now um the biggest takeaway that i saw though is it was about 10 minutes between when lmpd was dispatched uh and and when the suspect was killed so um that's a very very short period of time yeah 10 minutes yeah i think so i think so that seems like a long period of time to me yeah oh really uh yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know what the i don't know what the standard is there that is uh that is i, I think that that is also like from dispatch not from like when they entered the building um so like they had to drive there park do all that kind of stuff yeah it i guess it's to, it's a short period of time for lmpd to get there i didn't mean it's it's long in terms of the time it took for them to respond to it it's it's long in terms of the amount of time that it went on yeah yeah, I, that's, I think that's right. Okay, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, that yeah. that that sh- the shooting occurred. Uh, yeah, and you know we've seen we've seen a <laughs> the the occurrences of mass shootings are now so I mean common. I think is almost a fair way to put it that we've seen like the the gamut, right? Some of these mass killings have taken place in just a couple of minutes, and you know that one in Uvalde, Texas, took you know 
an hour or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was a long time. So, you know, um, we have seen like a, a wide range of, of possibilities for, for these kinds of things. But yeah, the one here, 10 minutes, which, you know, a- absolutely, as if you were in the building or in a downtown or anything, it certainly would seem like an eternity. So the, the, uh, a few of the details as, as we know them, the shooting began early in the morning around 8.30. The police did arrive on the scene quickly and killed the shooter, uh, you know, and the remarks that are going on right now. More details about how that process took place are, are, being, are being released. I think, yeah, like we mentioned, about 10 minutes. And in, in his remarks uh, over, uh, over the past couple of days, Mayor Greenberg has said that the actions of LMPD uh, saved lives. So the ages of the five people that have died in these killings ranged from 40 to 64. The youngest was Joshua Barrick, who was 40. Um, I've, you know, have some friends of mine who, who knew him, um, seen pictures of him and his young family. I think he had two children. I don't know as many details about as many of these other people. Juliana Farmer, um, who was 45. I, I learned recently that she was new to Louisville. She just recently moved here. Um, I'm not sure from where, but, uh, you know, that, that, that she hadn't been here for very long. Um, Tommy Elliott, who we'll get into later, a friend of the governor, a friend of lots of people across, uh, you know, the, the country, really, who has had seen an outpouring of affection for him. Uh, Jim Tut, who I, I didn't know much about. I didn't see much said about him. He, he was an older, older man who he was 64. He uh, apparently had worked at the bank for a long time. That was the one thing I did see about him. And then Deanna Eckert. Deanna Eckert was the one who who died later that day uh, at the hospital. Um, and I have not seen any details uh, about her. But but certainly very tragic for 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 all of uh, the friends and families of, of all of these people um, to be mourning these people who died in a way that no one deserves to die in. Um, all of those people were employees of Old National Bank. So of the additional eight people who were injured, three were discharged the day of the shooting and three remained in critical condition. Excuse me, two remained in critical condition. The three included Deanna Eckert, who has since died. An officer is one of the victims in critical condition. Uh, Nicholas Witt is the name of that officer. He's 36 years old and was sworn onto the force just two weeks ago. Um, So just really tragic really sad story crazy to think about you know you're on the force for just a couple of weeks uh, get called into a shooting like this and and are in such a serious situation so we we started learning about this later on in the morning um you know uh i mostly work from home in my day job but the office that i report to uh is downtown and you know i got a message from my boss that was like if you're planning on going to the office don't uh and that was kind of how I started learning about it. Um, Governor Bashir was on the scene very quickly. Uh, he shared his deep connection to Old National Bank, that building where uh, the shooting occurred, which if you're in Louisville and, and you, I mean, you probably know about this already, but if you're just, if you aren't familiar, it's a building that kind of, um, it, 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 it's, it's unique. It's something that we, we put in the pictures of the skyline. It is a building that kind of swoops upward. It has this like interesting kind of point that it comes to. Uh, you've probably seen it in drawings of the skyline. Uh, it's the old national bank. I remember they built it when I think I was in middle school. So it's not that old of a building. Um, and it is, um, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's an icon of, of Louisville. If you've, yeah, it's it, most people are, are familiar with the building or would would know what it is, even if they didn't know it was called the Old National Bank. Um, 
Anyways, Governor Bashir ran his attorney general campaign out of that building in 2015. Uh, he said it's where he banks personally, and uh, he he said he has you know very deep ties to Tommy Elliott, who is one of the people killed. Uh, Governor Bashir's quote about this is that Tommy Elliott helped me build my law career, helped me become governor, and gave me advice on being a good dad. He's one of the people I talk to most in the world, unquote. Um, he, he shared other things about how, you know, most of the things they talked about weren't politics. You know, they were friends. Um, and, and that's, you know, the, the governor's been through a lot in his, his term as governor uh, and, and, you know, have, having it kind of capped off uh, in his fourth year in office here with, with you know, the, the killing of a, a, a close friend in a mass shooting is just you know, crazy, a crazy situation. Um, and, and one that's very hard for him to face, you know, in the midst of what was very clearly a deep personal grief, the governor called on the state to quote, surround the community with love and compassion that we have been so good at showing one another unquote. So, you know, in the, (laughs) just calling on everybody to, to kind of being, or him, he himself being a leader of the community while dealing with this personal grief, I, I think just speaks so much to, to his character. Um, But the quote that will stick with me from Governor Bashir came when he implored the survivors they need to get help. Uh, You know, the quotes, quote, our our bodies and minds are not meant to go through these tragedies, Um, unquote. You know, it it doesn't sound, I guess, as impactful coming from me. Uh, Maybe just in the moment it it hit me as really powerful, given all the rest of the things that he had said. Um, You know, the lead up of him talking about Tommy Elliott, talking about uh, calling on the, the community uh, to, to, you know, to, to care for each other. Uh, and then just to punctuate it by saying like, this is just not something we're built to do. Um, but it's something I, I deeply agree with. These are situations that we shouldn't have to deal with. It's something that we don't need to deal with, but it is something that we have had to deal with for, for quite a long time now. <sighs> Governor Bashir wasn't the only person speaking yesterday. Uh, all of this whole press conference happened at the Louisville Slugger, uh, field, which is across the street from the old national bank. Mayor Greenberg, uh, of course, you know, had his own brush with gun violence during his campaign when he was shot at, uh, you know, bullet grazed his sweater uh, this during his campaign. It was a very crazy situation there, too. Nobody luckily was injured there. Um, but, you know, Mayor Greenberg yesterday was very clearly shaken up while, while speaking at the event. Everybody who spoke was very clearly shaken up. Mayor Greenberg yeah. not, was not alone there. Um, Mayor Greenberg was very sure to highlight another shooting in which someone was killed at nearly the same time as this mass shooting event that the individual shooting happened at JCTC that, that killed someone Jefferson community technical college and, and mayor Greenberg throughout his remarks both today and yesterday wanted to kind of connect this mass shooting to the city's general problem with guns, which is something that he campaigned on. It's something that the city has been talking about for quite a long time as, as gun violence has certainly increased in the city. Um, Greenberg was also very effusive in his praise of LMPD and all the first responders on Tuesday, as he has done multiple times in the past. Uh, His quote, uh, we will find ways to love and support one another and the families and friends who have been directly impacted by these acts of gun violence. And we will continue to come together as a community to work to prevent these horrific acts of gun violence, unquote. Mayor Greenberg, I think, you know, was very clearly shaken up on Tuesday, by Wednesday, I think he had his thoughts much more together. Uh, he, he spoke much more eloquently about what to do afterwards. And on uh, today, in the press conference today, he called on the state legislature to give Louisville more authority over the city's own gun laws. 
and, and again, he connected the mass shooting to the greater problem of gun violence on the city, citing that we've already lost 40 people to gun violence this year. Um, we'll get into kind of the politics of this situation, but I mean, I think this situation, uh, and it does, again, highlight the need for Louisville to do something about gun violence, and I think it's it's it, it's a very, very long shot, but the only shot the city has uh, at, at kind of dealing with with the number of guns that are being used in crimes are are to to have the state cede authority to the city to enact our own gun laws it doesn't seem possible that the state itself will will uh you know loosen gun laws at all so we'll we'll talk about that more later but uh, in terms of a political call to action i think it's the smartest one even if it's still not a very likely situation to me, the most powerful part of the mayor's speech was when he talked about the state law, which mandated that confiscated guns be auctioned off to the public. Quote, under current Kentucky law, the assault rifle that was used to murder five of our neighbors and shoot at rescuing police officers will one day be auctioned off. Think about that. That murder weapon will be back on the streets, unquote. Um, that's the words of the mayor. Um, it has been a pretty major part of his agenda to you know, remove the firing pins of the guns that are confiscated in the use of crimes before turning them over to the state to be auctioned off. But, you know, it is just a stark, I mean, reminder of the the state's situation when it comes to guns, that even guns used in these horrific actions, you know, are, are just sitting right back on the street. And that's kind of how we treat guns in Kentucky. Um, the other person who spoke at the Tuesday press conference was Jacqueline Gwynn Villaroyal, um, who is the interim LMPD chief. She uh, was the one who confirmed that the police were the ones that killed the shooter. It was a little bit unclear in the morning before that press conference. Um, and, and she said, quote, evil should not try to prevail and take over our city, unquote. Congressman Morgan McGarvey, uh, he was around on Tuesday. I think he was in D.C. So, I mean, he basically found his way back to Louisville very quickly quickly after this happened. But he did speak at length on Wednesday. Um, he had a lot to say. I mean, I think he wanted to make sure he called on the state and federal governments to do more to stop gun violence while also trying to express his grief uh, and share in the grief of the community. Whereas, you know, of course, uh, Mayor Greenberg had had two days to get all of that out. Um, But, you know, Congressman McGarvey did what it took to be here uh, and to to share in the community in this time of of great need and, and, and great suffering. The last person to speak on Wednesday was Dr. Jason Smith, who is the chief medical officer at the University of Louisville Hospital. So if you didn't know, UofL Hospital is a trauma one health center, uh, which means it sees most of the gunshots, uh, most of the gunshot victims that, that occur in the city. According to Dr. Smith, quote, gun violence is so rampant in the city that the hospital's operating schedule was hardly interrupted, unquote, which is, I mean, that was a pretty powerful quote to me. Dr. Smith said that he is weary of this and that, quote, there's only so many times you can walk into a room and tell somebody they're not coming home tomorrow. And it just breaks your heart when you hear someone screaming, Mommy, Daddy. It just becomes too hard day in and day out to be able to do that, unquote. Um, And then the last thing he did was call on policymakers to do something about the violence. Quote, I don't know what what the answers are. Uh, I'm a doctor. But to everyone who helps make policy, both at the city, state, federal, I would simply ask you to do something because doing nothing, which is what we've been doing, is not working, unquote. Uh, 
yeah, U um, of L Hospital has been through a lot uh, as as the number of murders in Louisville and the number of, of shootings and the amount of gun violence has increased over the past few years. Um, when Louisa was born, she was born at U of L Hospital, and you know I was actually I, I remember this I have this memory of being on the elevator with the trauma surgeon. Um, talking to another trauma surgeon just about how difficult it was. So it was like this moment um, where I remember most of that whole week, of course, because it was the birth of my first child. But like, that's actually something that sticks out is like them having to deal with this increase in gun violence and how difficult it was just on them, both emotionally and just physically because of the amount of work that they were being called on to do. Yeah. um, So just about the shooting, we don't know much about the motivations of the shooter. The facts that came to light in the hours after the shooting was that his family's from southern Indiana. He went to the University of Alabama. He was employed by the bank and had been for more than a year, and that he lived in the Camp Taylor neighborhood here in Louisville. Um, There were reports, and we did get confirmation, that SWAT teams were seen in Sturgeon's house in Camp Taylor. uh, And the police were canvassing, trying to find doorbell cam footage, possibly of him going to the bank in the morning. So the interim chief, Gwen Villaroyal, said, quote, this will be a long, complex investigation. So we do know that the shooter was employed by the bank at the time of the shooting and that he used an AR-15 purchased on April 4th and that he left a note and called at least one person before shooting, all of which are, you know, I guess I guess those are facts that are relevant to possible policy changes, right? Because, you know, the AR-15 is an assault-style rifle that there's been calls to ban nationwide, um, you know, with a less high-powered weapon. It's, you know, it's likely that he would have been able to kill fewer people, uh, you know, possibly. Um, you know, the the fact that he left a note and called a person before that brings up the, the specter of red flag laws, which have been enacted in other states besides Kentucky, you know, to, to you know... Th- if somebody had called the police, maybe this person's gun could have been taken away. So they were not capable of doing something like that. Of course, none of that is guaranteed. It is just evidence that goes to, you know, these types of things often happen uh, in the run up to something. Uh, You know, the fact that he bought the gun on April the 4th, waiting periods for guns, which have been enacted in the past before a lot of them have expired. The federal um, rule along this has expired. You know that that could have come into play too. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that happened, which point to the fact that if we had more strict gun laws, which wouldn't be gun bans, but just you know gun reforms, that maybe this shooting would have been either you know missed altogether or wouldn't have been as tragic. <sighs> okay, so national leaders and media had a lot to say about the shooting yesterday. Um, many Democrats, including President Biden, Vice President Harris. Most Democrats running for office this year in Kentucky, Representative McGarvey uh, and others, um, their main call was towards common sense gun reform. Um, That was present in just about every statement that I saw. We need reforms around how people are able to obtain guns. Um, I didn't see anybody calling for gun bans, but what I saw was people asking for more reforms uh, around the the possession of firearms. most of the Republicans running for office, uh, specifically Representative Andy Barr and, and Senators McConnell and Paul, offered their prayers. Um, I saw Kelly Craft do the same thing. Uh, I guess that was yesterday after I wrote these notes. But um, not a lot of calls for any specific legislation, any specific policy action, just thoughts and prayers. Um, it's kind of a punchline, but they said it, not, not me. 
Locally, I mean, I don't know. It was a really heavy day. Um, Louisville's the biggest city in Kentucky, but it's not really that big of a city. Um, nearly everybody is connected in in some way. I, I, I mean, in just about anybody I've ever met in this town, there's only about two degrees of separation. You can usually find somebody that you know who they know too. Um, and, and you can be sure that everybody in the city knows somebody who is grieving the loss of a friend colleague or family member that was killed by gun violence yesterday that that's definitely true uh, of me jasmine i know lots of people um who who knew who knew both tommy elliott and um and 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 josh barrick um you know who you know josh barrick was the one that's closest closest in age to, to me um, but yeah, I mean, uh, do you, do you have anything to share about this? Like, did you know anybody that knew anybody? Are you connected to this in any kind of way? I'm not, but like you, I know people who knew Josh Barrick and Tommy Elliott mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, just, just about anybody that, you know, in Louisville, it's highly likely that, that they at least know somebody who knows somebody um who who knew one of the people who was a victim in yesterday's shooting um so just you know if you're not in louisville keep the people that you know in louisville in your thoughts and if you are uh somebody in town um know that you know we're all grieving together in this moment um and and that it's a shared grief and not something that you have to go and face alone (sighs) um just the politics of this like kentucky has moved to the right on gun safety over the past several years especially since republicans took control of the legislature Nearly every piece of legislation that the NRA has asked for has been passed since the GOP took office. I, I mean, Jasmine, I, I don't, I didn't really write them down, but I remember like um, open carry, you know, uh, removal of any sort of uh, barriers for concealed carry. Um, you know, there was a push for uh, the removal of gun-free schools uh, that that has not yet passed, but is kind of on the docket. It seems like for the next year, um, there's been a lot of kind of you know, removals of, of safety protocols around how people can obtain guns in Kentucky over the past couple of years. Um, several years ago, we saw uh, a courageous stand by Chris Harris, Chris Harris, who is at that point a Democratic House member from Pikeville. We talked to him about this on the show. Um, he said he wanted to help. He wanted to pass common sense gun reform. Um, that was something he, he, you know, had a whole like press conference about this. It was a pretty dramatic moment uh, eastern kentucky being known as you know pretty pro-gun uh, as an area and you know i felt like that was a pretty brave thing for him to do i think he was re-elected once after saying that but those reforms never did pass and mr harris no longer holds public office you know he ran for supreme court um and you know he's he's a private citizen uh, practicing law in eastern kentucky i'm pretty sure so you know um so we've had some people try to be brave on this issue. We've had some people that have pushed on this issue really hard, uh, but we have gone the other direction. You know, it's my sincere hope that this tragedy will spur some action by our legislature. I mean, even to do what Mayor Greenberg said and just like let Louisville make its own gun laws. But I, I don't think that that's likely. I, I think it's incredibly unlikely. And in fact, I think it's the most likely situation that Kentucky is going to see its gun laws loosened even further in the past in the next year um and and that this whole event will have no impact whatsoever on the actions of our legislature um you know i've been watching this for several years um i've definitely turned into a pessimist in terms of what the legislature is likely to do over over time so um yeah anything anything you want to say jasmine i agree with you robert i think that you know 
I I certainly appreciate Mayor Greenberg's call for the legislature to do something about this issue, and that's all he can do. But the legislature has not listened to Louisville, and in fact, they're um, pretty antagonistic to Louisville, and and so I don't expect them to do that. And and I think there's just a, a a differing belief about what introducing more guns does. You know, I think they would prefer to arm teachers when we know that more guns equals more gun violence. Um, And so I agree with you that if anything, we'll continue to see loosening restrictions and, and the thought of the Savannah Maddox concealed carry on campus bill passing like it, it honestly just terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just incredibly unfortunate. I, I think you did a great job of summarizing, though, um, some of like the powerful quotes that we've heard in the last day from the governor and the mayor and from Dr. Jason Smith. I, I, I thought I thought his statements were really powerful because it's coming from someone who's not a politician. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I, I think what Bashir's had to go through and, and now what Mayor Greenberg has already had to go through, you know, he is just beginning his administration and to have to deal with a tragedy like this after having been the target of a shooting during his campaign. Um, I think that's just incredibly difficult. And so, um, you know, I, (laughs) I wouldn't want to be them. And, And, I, I think that they've been incredibly strong and I also, you know, can't imagine what it'd be like to be a police officer to have to run into a building where there's a mass shooter. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we, you know, it, 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 that, that I think that that's another thing to credit Mayor Greenberg with. I mean, we, we've been heavily critical of LMPD on this show for years. I mean, and, and I believe it's for good reason. I think that there are, there is an, an earned criticism of the police department. Um, but being able to hold that as true and also be able to acknowledge the bravery that these police officers exhibited by running into a building where somebody was shooting with an automatic weapon at people, including them and their their officers and compatriots, uh, and be able to take that person down. Both of those things can be true at the same time. And it, and it is mm-hmm. difficult to be able to talk about those two things at the same time. Um, we are going to try to do it on the show where the stakes are incredibly low. Mayor Greenberg has to do it as the mayor of the city. Uh, and, and that's fraught and difficult. And, and I feel like so far he's done a, a commendable job. Um, you know, but this is <laughs> this is a moment that calls for leadership. And I do think that that both the mayor and the governor have stepped up. The medical community has stepped up. Um, it is now time for the legislature to step up. And I really just don't have any faith that they will do that. Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. And I agree with you. It was so powerful to listen to a doctor make those statements to to hear a doctor call on policymakers to do something about that. But we <laughs> just saw that in the legislature with, with child psychologists and other medical professionals talking about um you know sb 150 and the trans issue and them just being completely sidelined and ignored and and that's mm-hmm. just highly likely in my opinion to happen again when this issue gets brought up in the next legislative session so you know i, I thank goodness we have the leaders in place that we do in the executive branches in both louisville and the state so there's somebody here that can lead us 
in this time, uh, this very, very dark time in this city. Um, because if it was up to the legislature, I just don't think that uh, it would just be way too dark to even comprehend. So that is that is where we're at with that. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's it's been heavy, guys. I, I don't really know what else to say. It's weighed really heavily on me the past couple of days. It's been hard to talk about. It's been hard to write about it. But, you know, it, it, it is... It is what happened, and that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> let's transition, Jasmine. Um, what are uh, the Republican gubernatorial candidates up to this week? Yeah, we thought we haven't really talked about, you know, we do have a governor's race this year, but we've been talking about the legislative session for the last three months or so and haven't really talked about the race in a while. So, Um, We thought we would kind of recap kind of what all the candidates have been up to. So um, we'll start with Kelly Craft. I feel like she's the one who's kind of been in the news the most. Kelly Craft missed the first debate that was it was hosted by Spectrum News and the Jefferson County Republican Party. But she's been all around the state on her kitchen table tour. And there's a picture that's been making the rounds quite a bit um, a couple weeks ago that was a photo of her with Savannah Maddox at the Lincoln-Reagan dinner in Northern Kentucky. And I think this is kind of interesting because it it kind of seems like maybe she is, is trying to cater to maybe the more conservative wing of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's fair, Robert? Yeah, I want to be r- really clear in talking about this photo that it's notable because it's Savannah Maddox that Kelly Craft is talking to. Uh, the two of them together is why this photo yeah. is notable. Um, because Savannah Maddox is the most conservative member of the Kentucky legislature, and that is a signal that Kelly Craft is trying to tie herself to that wing of the party. Savannah Maddox, of course, was running as an opponent to Kelly Craft for a lot of this race. Um, and the fact is, uh, this, I, I mean, I don't know if it's the fact. My pessimistic read on this, which is the one I have about Kelly Craft, is that that's the lane she sees as the most open and uh, available to her. She seems like a very malleable politician um, who's willing to take the stances she needs in order to win. Um, And she sees this as a part of the party that uh, is up for grabs and is making her play for it. Um, And the the way that she's doing that is by taking pictures with people like Savannah Maddox. Yeah, when... She first announced she was running and we started talking about this race. We weren't really sure where Kelly Craft's voters might come from um, other than maybe like some Republican business type of people and and the wealthy crowd and and what lane she might occupy. Um, But it seems like as the chips are falling and Savannah Maddox withdrew from the race, that that's maybe who she might be catering to. Oh, I, I'm I, one other thing I would say about that is like we'll get into it with Daniel Cameron, but I think he, as the leader, as the kind of the 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 front runner in the race, has kind of left this lane open. He probably could have shut the door on it by take him taking a picture of of maybe not with Savannah Maddox, but like you know he could have been palling around with like uh, Josh Calloway uh, or you know maybe uh, uh, what's not Gex, what's his actual name. 
Jay. Jay. <laughs> Jay Williams. Like somebody who's a part of that, but isn't maybe as uh, bombastic as Savannah Maddox and maybe gotten like the same level of interest from that wing of the party, the people who know who Jay Williams and Josh Calloway are. Um, but, you know, he he didn't do that. Um, and, and so I do think Kelly Craft is taking advantage of the lane that Daniel Cameron left open there. So uh, we'll talk more about that when we talk about Daniel Cameron, though. Yeah. So since we've last talked about her ads and things like that, um, I think she's debuted a Cole ad since then. And then the pack that's supporting her has launched more Daniel Cameron attack ads um, that focus on Cole and criminal justice and can continue to depict Daniel Cameron as a teddy bear. Um, so we talked about those when they first aired, but and now there's been a, a few different ones. I saw and he wears ACLU buttons and yeah, and things like that. Yeah, I think the ACLU might might need to make a teddy bear for like a fundraiser. But uh, I saw one just recently where they tried to make a different teddy bear that was like the New York DA that uh, you know arraigned Donald Trump. Um, which was a little, I mean, that's just insane to me. Like Daniel Cameron has the endorsement of Donald Trump. I mean, it is just like misinformation to the highest degree when it comes to like this pack and like trying to make Daniel Cameron out to be some sort of kind of like anti-Trumper. Um, but then also just like, uh, I don't know, the depiction of two black men as teddy bears. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure why it definitely rubbed me the wrong way. And maybe it's like dehumanizing or maybe it's. I, you know, I'm not I quite sure, but I hadn't seen that ad, but I saw Tessa Duvall, the Herald leader, pointed that out. And yeah. it, it just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of this thing about othering black people like yeah. in media and in art and things like that. And so it definitely does rub you the wrong way <laughs> it, it rubs me the wrong way and it rubs you the wrong way and i think even like tessa duvall who's a member of the media probably rubs her the wrong way i don't think it's going to rub republican primary voters in the wrong way so no. not a lot of risk there yeah probably not um and then a few other kelly craft things so you mentioned this she made a statement about yesterday's shooting um which didn't mention anything about gun violence and she said that any talk about anything other than the loss of life would be inappropriate. And while many events were canceled yesterday, she went on with an event featuring Riley Gaines, who's joining her on several of her tour stops. And Riley Gaines is a former UK swimmer who speaks out against trans women playing sports. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair given Max Wise's statements uh, and actions in the legislature and, I mean, Kelly Craft's statements and her palling around with Riley Gaines to say that, like, Kelly Craft is also trying to be the anti-trans candidate. I mean, I don't, I think, mm-hmm. like, you're not going to find anything besides an anti-trans candidate in this race. I mean, you know, we talked to Alan Keck last week and I would, I would call him an anti-trans candidate as well. I mean, even as like the most moderate person in the race. Um, But, you know, I think she's trying to make a play for like the most rabidly anti-trans people. Um, And and, yeah, I think Riley Gaines is, is kind of a, you know, avatar for, for that group and her getting her to speak on behalf of Kelly Craft's campaign is certainly, um, certainly a signal in that direction. And then the last thing here. Kelly Craft is also holding a fundraiser this week. I believe it's tomorrow with some pretty notable names on the co-host list, including former UK basketball players, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, 
Jim Master and Twani Beckham, and then former UK women's basketball coach Matthew Mitchell. Uh, Representative Jason Nemes is also a co-host, and as is her running mate, Senator Max Wise. Michael K. Gilchrist. Are you? Yeah, I, I would say that that's oh. the most disappointing one of all. You know, he is a millionaire. He played for the, I guess, Charlotte. He played for the Hornets for the mm-hmm. longest period of time. You know, never did fix his jump shot. So, you know, maybe that's maybe he thinks Kelly Craft can get him all sorted out with that. Um, yeah, Matthew Mitchell was also kind of a disappointing one to me. Um, I'm not too surprised. He's yeah, a I don't Kraft think it's fan. surprising at all. I mean, like one thing you have to like think about with like UK coaches is, is that they were hired by Mitch Barnhart, yep. who is very conservative, and, and they all they all kind of have a lot of them kind of have that conservative air (laughs) about them. Um, I think, I think John Calipari is, is kind of moderate dem. He's bigger. He's bigger than Mitch Barnhart. I think like the football and basketball coaches are going to be bigger deals than the, the athletic department or the athletic director. But you know, once you start talking about women's basketball, volleyball, uh, swimming right like anything that's below like the two big sports you know the the people who get hired do kind of take on maybe more of the personality of the person hiring them or you know it's not like a national firm trying to hire them it is a little bit more like the athletic director uh himself making those selections so that makes like but but yeah just like knowing his personality and everything it, it just doesn't surprise me yeah yeah i agree either still disappointing yeah, it's so, disappointing when anybody supports Kelly Craft. But yeah, so that's what's going on with Kelly Craft. I think she's, regardless of whether I think she's doing like a good job or not, I think she's just done the best job of being in the news it, and and dominating the discussion. It's been in this it, race. It's worked out about. I mean, if you go back to the beginning when we first started talking about the show, I think it's worked out about how we thought it would. Where you have, like, you know, Kelly Craft is doing this kind of, like, air raid campaign. Where she's in the news the most. She has the most professionally run campaign. She has, like, the ability to get in front of the most people. But is her message going to be enough? Are people who actually believe, like, Savannah Maddox going to see that picture of Savannah Maddox and Kelly Craft and be like, that's my candidate? Are the... UK fans who see her hosting something with MKG uh, and and Twani Beckham gonna care. Uh, you know, are are these uh, negative ads against Daniel Cameron gonna land the way that she wants them to? Like, she's able to be out there. She's in front of everybody. Everybody knows she's running for governor. That is able to vote in this primary. Is that gonna matter enough to bring her the nomination? I don't know. I I, I bet it's closer than it was a couple months ago when we got our last poll about it, though. Yeah, I I think it's probably closer than it was when we got those polls as well. So that brings us to Daniel Cameron, who had a big lead in polling. Um, In the first debate, I would say Cameron stood out to me as the candidate who took the least amount of stands on anything. Um, Other candidates, you know, Ryan Quarles came out and said, I'm for medical marijuana and Alan Keck said, I'm for medical marijuana. I'm for sports gambling and, you know, all of these things. And and Daniel Cameron didn't really take a position on anything. Like, well, maybe if this, maybe, but I'd want to talk to these people and get these people involved. And so I don't think he really said very much. But 
um, he was in the lead. And, and so, you know, he's just walking a fine line, I guess. Um, but after that first debate, he initially agreed to participate in Kentucky Sports Radio's debate. And he recently bowed out of that one. And, you know, I, I think that's something that you get to do when you have the lead and maybe that's a good choice for him. But one thing I would wonder about is that is a really big audience. And I do think that debate made a difference in the 2015 primary um, when it, it was kind of Jamie Comer and Hal Heiner were kind of in a sparring match. And then Matt Bevan came out looking like the smart and normal one. Wild um, to think about. And, and kind of got this this big bump from it. Yeah. Um, and so so I don't know if, it, if it's the smart decision. Um, the other thing about it is Kentucky Sports Radio like has connections to Kelly Craft, And so do you want to be part of that debate? So I don't know. Yeah, I mean... You know, anybody can drop out of any debate that they want to. You know, Alan Keck can drop out of the debate. You know, Mike Harmon can drop out of the debate. Anybody can. I think Daniel Cameron is basically the only person who can make the case that it's a good decision. But I don't think it is. I don't think it's a good decision I don't, at yeah, all. Yeah, I, uh, I don't either. Be, just because of... I, I do think they have such a large Republican voting audience. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you are in the lead and you, you are kind of trying to fight this like war of attrition, but, but Kelly Craft is coming for your neck, man. She's got these teddy bear ads. You need to come after her. Like, you know, the, do something yeah. about this. And it is just kind of like, he's resting and trying to just sit on his mm -hmm. hands enough and ride it out till the end. I, you know, to me, that that's that that's not a proven winning strategy we have example after example after example of politicians in these races which where they have a big lead to start with and other people start chipping away at it and by the end they're like oh man i really wish i'd done more i just finished a a, a harry truman biography i just finished it yesterday and that's like a pretty major thing that happened in the you know the whatever it was 1944 election or 40 48 election where he defeated uh thomas dewey in almost the exact same situation where thomas dewey is just trying not to do anything and then harry truman is just basically comparing him to satan telling him he's hitler and you know harry truman won the election like this is ha this happens over and over and over again and daniel cameron's falling into a very obvious trap so you know we'll see what happens who knows yeah i think you're right that he is just trying to write it out because i was kind of trying to figure out to talk about this today, you know, what's he been doing? And so what I figured out from his social media and everything is what he's kind of trying to do is stay in his own lane and nationalize the race. So his thing has been saying Andy Bashir is more liberal than Joe Biden. <laughs> That's what he keeps saying everywhere. So he's kind of been going on Newsmax to discuss Senate Bill 150 He's written a Fox News op-ed about like climate alarmists. Um, he also went on Fox News in the wake of yesterday's shooting. Um, but so I, I think he's he's trying to nationalize this. You know, I have the Trump endorsement. Andy Bashir is more liberal than Joe Biden, and and he's not really talking about Kelly Craft at all. Yeah, um, he's just. He's been kind of holding like meet and greet rallies around the state. He's got one in Louisville 
this week. Um, in light of the shooting, they'll also be taking donations for the Louisville Metro Police Foundation. Yeah. Um, I was looking. He doesn't list endorsements on his website, um, but just looking through his social media, a few recent ones that he's picked up include representatives John Hodgson and Kevin Bratcher. We're both East um, Louisville guys, yeah. Right. And and Kevin Bratcher is, has kind of been like a criminal justice focused mm-hmm. Republican. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he also announced a long list of law enforcement endorsements that he's gotten as well. I, the the way that this looks to me is like you know Daniel Cameron's making a play for the Republican vote in Louisville and is going to win Jefferson County pretty big. And you know is Kelly Craft Kelly? Uh, what happens in Fayette County is going to be really interesting. Kelly Craft being so connected to the UK community. Um, but I mean, I do think Daniel Cameron is kind of making a play with his like law enforcement push and his crime push to push for those urban Republicans who are very, very interested in crime. That's like their main issue. Um, how that resonates in Lexington, which also is having a pretty significant spate of gun violence, has seen um, crime in the news more often in the in recent years. So it'll be really interesting the contours of of the the vote once it comes down and who wins where. Um, the way that this typically goes, though, is like one guy will win basically everywhere. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. What yeah. Happens. Well, you mentioned Louisville and. So Ryan Quarles, something that he mentioned in the debate and has mentioned in a few speeches and on social media, he has kind of kept saying, I want to be a governor who makes Louisville thrive and I want to connect with Louisville. And and so Ryan Quarles is kind of trying to get Louisville voters. Um, but I I don't know that. He's going to do that. I don't um, think he's going to get any voters. <laughs> Ryan Quarles, um, what he's been up to, he's been going around the state in his big truck, and he tweets out fun Kentucky town names, which I do enjoy. Um, and he's kind of just stayed in his lane, and he he hasn't gone negative against any of his opponents. And I'm just not sure that there's been anything interesting or newsworthy about his candidacy. Um, he does have the support of many county judge executives and legislators, and, and some of those people do have deep ties in their communities, but I just don't know if he has enough of that support to gain a lot of, like, average voter votes. <laughs> uh I am not sure if there's been anything interesting or newsworthy about his candidacy, Jasmine. That is tough but fair. <laughs> I think that that's that is. Uh, I, I I mean, I would say from where we started with this campaign, when we kind of got the field set, Ryan Quarles has been by far the most disappointing candidate um, in terms of their likelihood to win. I, I mean, I really thought this was going to be a three-person race, and it is a two-person race. Like Ryan Quarles has not found any traction. I mean, I think we we identified this as kind of a a, a, a potential problem for him was that the, the the his support came from people who really like politics, people who really like government, a lot of local government folks, a lot of legislators, judge executives, like you mentioned, uh, and, and and getting those people to connect with voters is has just proven to be difficult. And he hasn't, you know, doesn't have the money to get on TV like Kelly Craft does. Um, isn't able to get the national interviews because his profile isn't as big as Daniel Cameron's, and it just, you know, it's kind of come off, come apart for him. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't before the end drop out and endorse one of the big two to try to get some sort of plum job in the next administration. Um, you know, 
I, I don't know if he wants to go back to his farm, but uh, I don't think he does. I think he wants to stay in Frankfurt, and that's probably his best bet. So um, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's It's been tough for Ryan Quarles, though. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think the only things I've really seen from his campaign are when he made an announcement about supporting medical marijuana and some of his statements about, you know, supporting Louisville um, and things like that. But th- that's really about it, I think. You know, maybe maybe he gets some votes from people who see all of these Kelly Craft ads and they're like, well, I don't really want to vote for her. She's just a rich lady, but I don't know if I want to vote for the ACLU guy either. <laughs> so... Maybe yeah. I'll vote for Ryan Quarles. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, is he going to win Scott County? That's the real big question left to me. Um, yeah. 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 So that's Ryan Quarles. Um, and then Alan Keck, I thought he really stood out in the first debate um, because I, I do think, of course, you know, we think that because we're Democrats um, and, and he seems the most moderate, but I do think that some of his policies are actually pretty popular with a lot of mm-hmm. Republicans, you know, people who want things like sports gambling and medical marijuana, but are still very conservative on social issues. Like some of the anti-trans legislation passed the session. I, I do think that there, there are a lot of people like that. Um, and I, I saw, you know, like some exit polling from that debate, which I know is a small sample and very informal, but um, he was the one who who got the biggest bump from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think he stood out in the debate, um, but he certainly won't be able to break through or anything. Um, he's also been willing to take jabs at, at Kelly Craft, which Ryan Quarles hasn't done anything like that you know um like for example when she's talked about kentucky's border crisis um keck said that the border he's worried about is our southern border and then took the opportunity to talk about income tax and losing out to tennessee Mm -hmm. um and so he's been willing to like stand out a little more and so um i think for him it's about you know like what is he going to turn this into? Yeah. Um, and then also he came on our show. He sure so did. That's what he's been up to. Yeah, that that is something he's been up to. That's for sure. I, with Alan Keck, you know, I think one of the things that it's worth mentioning is that, like, for most people in Kentucky, especially outside of the urban areas, like you just register to vote as a Republican. Like you just do. Like that. If you're if you're registering to vote, and you're new. You're like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to vote for the judge executive. I want to vote for my local leaders and their partisan races. I want to. I'm a Republican. Also, like, I'm not a liberal. I don't like Barack Obama. I don't like Joe Biden. Even if you don't really necessarily like Donald Trump or whatever, you're like, I, you know, I, I'm not a liberal. I'm a conservative. I'm going to be a Republican. And, and like, you may be pro sports gambling. You may be pro medical marijuana. You may be even pro like additional funding for state government and including like raises for public teachers, better funding for education. You may be like fully in line with the Democratic Party in Kentucky's platform but like you know that's been kind of a big struggle for democrats in kentucky is getting people to connect that with the democratic party uh people the default in kentucky Mm -hmm. is to be a republican and i think those are the voters that alan keck is trying to pick up i think he's you know 
in in terms of the money that he's been able to raise, especially running against like high profile people, I think he's done a pretty good job of of putting himself out there, finding ways to make inroads where he can. You know, I know that we have a lot of Republicans that listen to this show with us like being very liberal all the time and they're like, I really like to listen to, you know, the countervailing opinion, which good for them, but you know what? Alan Keck's probably their guy and like good for him for knowing that and coming on the show. Like, uh, that's the type of stuff he's been able and willing to do from the position he started with, the notoriety he had to start with and just kind of what he was up against. I mean, very commendable for him. Um, so, you know, we'll probably see more of him in the future, but probably not going to win this race. Yeah. And then, you know, the last candidate I included is Mike Harmon because he was part of the first debate and I believe he'll be part of others. Um, but you know, I like Alan Keck and, and probably Ryan Quarles as well. I don't think his, his candidacy is viable. Um, his office released a big audit of Kentucky state university. Of course he's the state auditor right now. Um, and I think that's really the only thing he's been in the news for, you know, he's, He's been at a lot of these big Republican events and everything, um, but I I don't think he really has like staff or anything. Yeah, like that. Um, so he's he's just out along for the ride, just out here doing his thing. I guess. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that 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 Trey Watson said at the very beginning of this whole like campaign season when we had him on to talk about the Republican candidates was that. Mike Carmen has a deep connection, especially among like evangelical voters outside, like in Western Kentucky, especially, which is where mm-hmm. he's from. Um, and, and that, you know, he, he commanded a larger portion of the vote than than people were, were expecting. So I don't want to discount that because I don't know. Like, I don't know <laughs> if those people are secretly really pro Mike Harmon. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to discount that. But, yeah, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he didn't run for, like, treasurer or something, uh, you know, run for secretary of state. Like, he's got experience in uh, government. So, well, you know, he, there is an incumbent in the secretary of state's office, but, mm-hmm. you know, run for treasurer, run for agriculture commissioner, do do something different. He took a shot at the big job um, and it went about exactly as we we expected, which is that that he has almost no traction. So um, sorry, Mike Harmon. Uh, see you never. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go back into the house. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know what the future holds for him. Um, but, you know, there's a long, long line of people who uh, were elected to one of these lower level state executive offices who served a couple of terms, one or two terms, and then we just never heard from them again. Or at least we didn't. They probably lobbied or became something. So, yeah, that's what's the future for Mike Harmon. Woof. All right, Jasmine. Well, that was those. What are these people up to? Good to know um, where we're standing <laughs> with these people. I, you know, it, it has been like lower key than I expected, but there is a lot that's going on and it is a really interesting race. Uh, I think it's going to get a lot busier now that the legislature is out of session. Um, the political season is really going to start heating up as we get closer to, to primary day. Um, yeah. And whatever party you're in, make sure you go out and vote. You know, there is a gubernatorial primary on the democratic side and, and, uh, secretary of agriculture, um, on the democratic side and on the Republican side, I think there's a several, um, contested races. So make sure you go vote in the primary, even though, um, on the democratic side, a lot of stuff seems already decided. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about the, these candidates, Jazz? No, I think that's it. Well, Jasmine, I do appreciate that segment because it was a nice change of pace. It was a nice 
uh, conversation to get my mind off of the absolute tragedy that happened earlier uh, this week. Um, and yeah, our, our thoughts just continue to be with all the folks in Louisville. They, they, they've called for blood donations, so do that if you so wish. Um, and you know, if you need help, go get it. Like you know, um, don't be don't be too proud. Find a way to get access to it. it, it it's available. Places are making it available, so um, it's a heavy time. And and don't feel like you're a bad person for needing it. Um, all right. That being said, no guests this week. So Jasmine, how can people get a hold of us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old KY pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter. You can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast Network and the Ford Kentucky Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>